Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Welcome to Calvary Church Online. So thankful that you are tuning in today. No matter where you're watching from, I want to let you know that we're grateful that you're here. Whether you're watching from home or a park, we're thankful that you are tuning in. Today, I feel good because I'm preaching with some family in the audience today. So this is going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to be looking around a lot. But as you guys know, uh, well, if this is your first time, you don't know. But now you know. <laughs> we're currently going through a series entitled Turn Off the Noise. Turn Off the Noise. It's been an incredible series as we've been discussing how to silence the noise of the world so we can hear God speak clearly to us. And I don't know about you, but I really want to hear God speak a powerful word to my life. Yeah. And my prayer is that the same thing will happen to you today. So week five, I was told this, Mike, preach on whatever you want by Pastor Alex. He's sitting here in a crowd. By the way, you're incredibly handsome. It's, uh, it's good to have you here, bro. I love you too. <laughs> and it's okay. You can call another dude handsome. I'm married. This is, this is going in a weird direction right now. But you said, hey, bro, preach on whatever you want. I thought this was going to be easy because Pastor Alex on week, two, on week two preached on teach us how to pray. And for me, I was so inspired by that message that today I'm also going to piggyback on that message. I'm really going to talk about prayer. I'm going to take a different direction. I'm going to talk about powerful prayers. For those of you who like titles, I got two titles for you. Ready? Write this down if you're taking notes. I hope you are. First part of the title is this, powerful prayers, comma, the centurion edge. Great. Powerful prayers, Great. the centurion edge. We're going to be reading a couple of different passages. If you didn't read your Bible this week, it's all good. We're going to get your Bible reading in today. We got two passages that we're going to be reading from. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. They're going to put the message right on the screen for you. So we're going to start with James chapter 5 verses 13 to 15, and it reads like this. Is anyone among you suffering or in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, yeah. powerful and effective. I'm going to read one more passage for you. This is the passage that we're really going to use to frame the message. And Luke chapter seven, verses one through 10, it reads like this. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Then a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion's friends came and said to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I don't deserve you to come under my roof. This is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you in the first place. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So don't come to my house. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Verse 9, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant 
Well, what an incredible story of faith being on display. The centurion edge, the centurion edge. I'm excited to preach this message today. Here in the audience, I also have my beautiful wife. We've been married now for a couple of years. Now, I've known my wife since I was 16, so we've been best friends for a really long time. Because of that, I thought that marriage was going to be easy. I remember right before we got married, there was a pastor here in this church, and he told me, Mike, listen, I want to let you know that marriage will be the most beautiful thing you'll ever do, but it'll also be one of the most difficult things you'll ever do. When he told me that, I thought, bro, like, I didn't tell him this, but I thought, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. It's for sure going to be beautiful, but it's definitely not going to be difficult. I mean, Steph is my best. I mean, this is, we got this. We got this in the bag. I've known you my whole entire, my whole entire life. I learned quickly that I, was, that I was wrong. You see, one of the things that make marriage difficult is that at one point I was single. Now, let me explain before you start getting like these crazy ideas. Like when I was single, the only person I ever had to think about was myself. I want to tell you, I did a phenomenal job at thinking about myself. Like, in fact, I would consult with myself, and could you believe it, I would actually agree with myself as well. I was phenomenal at just thinking about, and just thinking about me. So much so that my wife and I, we have premarital counseling with Pastor JP, and he said this, Mike, what's going to happen is that you're, as your marriage evolves, that you guys are one day going to grow to think as one person. I thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This means that my wife now is going to think like me. So this is gonna make marriage super easy and super simple. But I learned quickly that I was wrong because the things that I thought about, she really didn't think about and the things that she thought about, I really didn't really think about. I'll give you an example. A Couple of weeks ago, I'm in the office and I'm doing some work. And then I hear from the kitchen, babe, did you take out the trash? Now, because I didn't take out the trash, I pretended like I didn't hear it. So I didn't say anything in response. A Couple seconds passed by and then she yells a little louder, babe, did you take out the trash? So. I was embarrassed and I told her, babe, no, I, I didn't take out the trash. Friends, I want to let you know that for the next five minutes, the scariest silence hovered over my home. So I'm sitting there in my office and I'm still working. All of a sudden I hear a ruckus coming from the kitchen. Ruckus, that's a weird word. I just don't know what else to call it. There's a ruckus coming from the kitchen. There's loud noises. And I go to the living room, I go to the kitchen and my wife has this huge trash bag and she's throwing it in the air and throwing it down, opening it in a very exaggerated manner just to let me know that I'm taking out the trash because you did it. Can you believe it? It's crazy, crazy. Now, now I'll be honest with you. Like, for me, I, well, first off, it was a very quiet day in the Gonzalez home because I didn't know that taking out the trash will directly correlate to the happiness of my marriage. I had no idea. The point of this message, this message is, men, if you're married, just take out the trash. God bless you. Let's pray. I'm kidding. But... Really, I had no idea that taking out the trash would directly correlate to the happiness of my marriage. Now, why am I talking about that when the topic today is prayer? The reason I'm talking about that today is because I really believe that a lot of us treat prayer the way that I treat taking out the trash. Just as I neglected my responsibility of taking out the trash, sometimes we neglect what powerful prayer can do to our life because we don't understand the correlation that it has. You see, I didn't understand the correlation between taking out the trash and a happy marriage. And many of us don't understand the correlation between pay, praying powerful prayers and the effect that it has, the effect that it has in our life. Now, as I said this word, I said this word neglect, that many of us neglect praying. Maybe you're thinking, Mike, that's a strong word, bro. Like, I, I am not neglectful. Like, I'm not neglectful. Like, you know, I pray sometimes. I think in God's direction. I pray for my protection. I pray for my food. Friend, I want to let you know, those are good prayers. Yeah. But what if I told you today that God doesn't want you to pray good prayers? What if I told you that God wants you to pray great prayers? 
In fact, I really believe this, that many of us are not living the life that God has called us to live simply because we've settled for good prayers when God has called us to pray great prayers. If I can say it like this, I would say it this way, that the quality of your life will always be determined by the power of your prayers. Friend, if you want a big life, you got to pray big prayers. And if you want a great life, you have to pray great prayers. Now, I love this text that we read in James. I mean, James is awesome. First of all, James is the brother of Jesus. So like, we should probably listen to this dude. And in the first couple of verses, verses 13 to 15, he says two words a lot. He says, prayer and pray. Prayer and pray. Why does, like, this must be a very big deal to James. And if it's a big deal to the brother of Jesus, it should probably be a very big deal to us. Why? It's simple because prayer really just reveals the plan of God over your life. Have you ever wondered, God, what's my plan? What's the will? What's the purpose? If you're wondering that today, friend, I want to let you know that the solution is found in, it's found in prayer. Yeah. So, for example, like one of the things that we really have to navigate, which a lot of people think is difficult, is God's will. How do you navigate through God's will? I'm going to help you break that down today, hopefully. So God's will can be broken down into two different categories. There's God's conditional will and unconditional will. God's unconditional will are the things that God's going to do with or without you. Irrespective of you, God's just going to make it because it's part of his plan. Yeah. Now, God's conditional will, it's different. You see, God's conditional will is this. Is there are some things, listen, that God won't do unless you cooperate. There are some things that God will not do in your life unless you just participate yeah. with him. You know, I really believe that God has a lot of desires that he wants to see us live out. But we won't live out God's desires unless we simply just participate with God. I'll prove it to you. For example, in the Bible, it says this, that God desires that everybody will have a relationship with Jesus, that everybody would walk in communion with him, that everybody will be saved and have access to heaven. But the only way that that can happen is if we simply cooperate with him. How? By putting our faith and our trust in him. The mechanism that God uses to bring heaven down to earth is determined and conditioned by the presence or the absence of your prayer. So for example, look, James chapter four, verse two says this, you have not because you ask not. That the reason you don't have it is simply just because you didn't ask for it. So if there's some things in your life, I want to challenge you today. Maybe it's time that you just start asking God for some things that you thought that he would really never, never give you. In fact, I want to let you know today, there's a goal to your prayer. The goal of prayer is to bring heaven down to earth and for heaven to invade my reality. It's for us to get out of our, our, our physical limitations to, and to be able to access something spiritual so, so heaven can touch my reality. When heaven touches reality, we then begin to make history. I, lo I, 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 just, I love this concept. In fact, this is what God said in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. He says, before you've called, I've already answered, by the way. So like before you prayed, I want to let you know that I've already answered your prayer. Prayer... The purpose of prayer is not so that God can do something new, nor is it so that God can do something that he doesn't want to do. The purpose of prayer is to get you to pray for him to do something that he's already predetermined to do. So there's a blessing that God already has for you laid up in heaven. But the reason that we have to pray for it is simply so that we can, we can receive it. I look at prayer as a pull down method. I look at prayers as a pull-down method. Like the reason that I'm praying is because I want to pull down the blessing that God has for me. I want to pull down his grace from heaven. I want to pull down victory from heaven. I want to pull down his anointing from heaven. I think it's time that we start pulling down the blessings that God has already laid up for us. So prayer, prayer is, is powerful. And because prayer is powerful, listen, I really believe this, that we should probably do prayer every day. 
I love this. James chapter, uh, James, in, in this uh, same chapter that we read, we're going to break down the passage very, very fast. But in James, in verse 13, he says this, is anybody among you suffering? When he uses this word suffering, really what he's saying in the original language is, is any of you in pain? Are you dealing with pain today? I really believe this, that pain is an invitation for prayer. In fact, I would even be, I would even dare to say this, that the reason that God allows pain to linger is simply just to get you to pray. I think some of us extend the pain that we go through simply because we haven't fallen to our knees to simply pray. Pain is an invitation for your prayer. Then he continues to say this. He shifts in verse 13. He says, if you're going through pain, pray. And then he says in verse 13, by the way, if you're happy, give God praise. Notice he says, pray, give God praise. Both of them are just vocal activities. So what he's saying is whether you're going through a good time or whether you're going through a bad time, you should always be communicating with you should always be communicating with me. Yeah. Verse 14, he goes, if you're sick, have people pray over you. And basically, when he uses this word sick, he doesn't really mean like a, a, a sickness in your body, although it could mean that. But he's also saying like, like the product of sickness, like if, if weary, tired. Like, have you ever heard somebody say, I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired? Yeah. Like, if you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired, God wants you to pray so badly. God wants to communicate with you so much that he says, hey, if you can't do it, that's fine. Just find people around you that can pray for you. I want to let you know that there's power in community. The reason that we do connect group, the reason that we come to church, the reason that we watch church online is because we understand that there's power in community. That when I surround myself with believers, they access heaven for me and I see the blessings of God come down in my life. There's power in, in community. James chapter 5 verse 15. We're going to go through this text very, very quick. James chapter 5 verse 15. He says this. And the prayer that's offered in faith will bring restoration and make the sick person well. I love that. The prayer that's offered in faith will bring restoration and it will make the sick person well. I, I, before I go there, I, I want to go back to something. Remember when I talked about how what, what prayer does is that it allows you to access heaven. It allows you to get out of your, your limited context. I think that's really important because a lot of us were trapped in our limited context. There's a lot of things that maybe that we're dealing with. There's struggles, there's pains, there's situations. But what heaven does is that it gives you the ability to leave your limited context and to access heaven. I remember a couple years ago, you and I went to DR. My wife and I, we went to DR for the first time and it was a very unique experience for me because I've never been out of the country. In fact, it was the very first time that I used a passport. I had no idea what you use a passport for. Like, I thought this was awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have this book. I see in movies that people stamp it all the time. I mean, this is, this is absolutely incredible. So when I get to DR, I finally learned the purpose of the passport. You see, the purpose of the passport is to get you to access a part of a country that you've never been to. Right. The, the purpose of the passport is to get you to go to a, a space that you've never been to before. I want to let you know that prayer serves as a passport. What prayer does is that it allows you to access heaven and get out of your limited context. You see, prayer is not just an exchange of words. Prayer is a change of location. Prayer is a change of location. And I think a lot of us, our context, what we're looking at is very limited, if you will. That we're, we're blinded by what we're looking at right now. Because we're looking at it from a very limited perspective. We're looking at it in the physical, but what I really believe that God challenges us to do is to, is to get our eyes off of the physical situations that we're dealing with and elevate really what we're looking for. Yeah. That's why I love worship so much, 
Because when you don't worship, when you actually, first of all, I just want to say we all worship something. Worry, by the way, is misplaced worship. And some of us, we worry a lot because we're focused on a, on a negative situation. But I love what biblical worship is. It's simply just magnifying God. Because when we magnify God through prayer and through worship, our problems seem so much smaller. They seem like they're, they're manageable because we're getting heaven to intercede in our reality. So this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about praying in faith. We're talking about praying with big prayers. So in verse 15, he says, a prayer offered in faith, prayer offered in faith. What does it mean to pray in faith? I think what it means to pray in faith is to pray with expectation, to have an expectation that God is going to do the thing that you're actually praying for. I'll give you an example. In the 1930s, there was a story of uh, the United States that went through the worst drought that has ever gone through. It was actually called the Dust Bowl. It was crazy. It was so dry. It was, it, was, it was so much heat that dirt was lifting off of the field, and it was killing people, killing crops, killing animals. It was an insane time. And I was reading through this story that said that there was a group of adults that were praying at a church, and they said, you know what? Let's just pray for God to heal our land. So they would step outside, and they would begin to pray, God, do a miracle. God, do a miracle. God, bring rain, but nothing happened. The story continues to say that there was this little boy who was watching these people pray. And then the little boy says, well, there's nothing happening with their prayers. Let's see what God will do on my behalf. So this little boy goes out into the street, and then he just begins praying. And his prayer is very simple. He says, God, I know that you can do it. So, Father, will you please bring rain and heal our land? The story says that all of a sudden, a dark cloud began to hover over this little boy, and it started sprinkling, and sprinkles turned into rain, and rain turned into a downpour. Now, I was, as I was reading this story, I was thinking to myself, what was the difference between the prayer of the adults and the prayer of this kid? Well, the story says that the little boy brought an umbrella with him. That when he prayed, he went out to the street and he brought an umbrella because he had an expectation that God was going to do the very thing that God was going to do in his life. So this is what I call the centurion edge. Remember the title, the centurion edge? This is what I call the centurion edge. I think that the centurion edge is basically praying in faith. And the story that we read about the centurion is incredible, really. So in Luke, we see this guy, a centurion. Basically what a centurion is, it's a gentleman who, uh, he's in the military and he has hundreds of people under him. And basically he would tell people what to do all the time and they would do it. But he, would also, he was also very wealthy. But he had a problem at home that those things could not fix. You see, he had a friend who was extremely sick and he was about to die. So... This guy, he thinks this idea, he's like, hey, you know what? Let me, let me talk to the people who work for me and let me go get them to talk to Jesus. And so they go, they look for Jesus and they tell Jesus, hey, this centurion guy, he has somebody who's really sick. Would you please go to the house and heal him? And Jesus, because he responds out of compassion, he says, yes. I want to pause because you do know that people in the Bible didn't know they were actually in the Bible, right? <laughs> like like they, they were just like me and you. Like they lived, they lived life, just, they just lived life like us. They had the same struggles, the same pains, the same doubts, wondering if Jesus was going to show up. But Jesus says, absolutely, I'll, I'll return. So as they're returning, I love this, the servants go back to the centurion and tell him, hey, by the way, Jesus is, at, is, at, is coming to your house. Something crazy happens here. Because the centurion now has a mental shift. Like he begins to just think differently. I wonder how long the walk was for Jesus to get to the house, for this guy to actually start thinking these things. Because the centurion starts thinking, I can imagine him sitting on his couch and thinking, hey, you know what? Uh, Jesus is on his way to this house, but my friend is dying and I need Jesus to do something right now. Yeah. So then he starts thinking to himself, okay, we got to do something different. Like this, this needs to change. So the centurion begins to think to himself, hey, you know what? 
uh, I'm a man of authority, and I'm a, because I'm a man of authority, I have people that work for me. They deliver a message for me without me even being there, and it carries the same authority. If I have this kind of authority, then God must have authority too. Jesus must have authority too. So then he sends a message back to Jesus. The servants run to Jesus. And this is the, the, the message, the prayer, if you will, that the servants deliver to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, don't come to my house. I'm not even worthy of you coming to my house. But simply just say the word and my servant will be healed. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is genius. Because basically what he's saying is this. is I have men who work for me. They deliver a message. So Jesus, could you do something for me? Can you say the word and your word act like a person show up to my house and heal the person that's at my house. Yeah. And Jesus hears this and he is amazed. By the way, how many of you guys know it's pretty hard to impress God? Like he's the creator of the universe. But if he was impressed, we should probably pay attention to it. In fact, the Bible says there were only two times that Jesus was impressed. He was impressed by somebody's lack of faith. And in this scenario, he was, praised by, he was impressed by somebody's faith, yeah. by the size of his faith. I can almost, almost imagine the disciples like thinking like, yo, who does this guy think he is? Like giving God suggestions to do stuff like this. Like what's wrong with this guy? But Jesus doesn't have that response. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was amazed. Why was Jesus amazed? I think the reason that Jesus was amazed, number one, is because they asked Jesus to do something that has never been done before. Like the centurion had no basis, no, no reason to understand why this was happening. The second reason I believe that Jesus was impressed was because the only person who knew that the miracle can happen that way was Jesus. That frustrates me about God. The fact that he knows he can do something better and not tell us. But Jesus is just waiting for you to pray a, a prayer that's crazy enough to get him to do something different. You see, what I'm learning is this, is that Christianity really doesn't always operate on God's ability, but it operates on your faith. Don't get me wrong, we're saved because we believe in Jesus. But the outworking of our daily Christian life is usually not because of God's ability, but it's usually because of our faith. So this centurion edge, I believe that we, we need it. What is this centurion edge? What is this faith factor that he has? I believe that the centurion edge is having the kind of faith to ask God to do stuff that nobody thought he can do. It's having the faith to believe that God can do stuff that nobody else thought that he can do. I remember in college, I had this friend of mine. His name was Gary. Actually, no, wrong name, wrong friend. His name was Gene. And Gene was, Gene was a Haitian brother of mine. Haitian brother of mine. In fact, I would say Gene. He would say, no, my name's not Gene. It's Jean. I would go, okay, Jean. And uh, me and Jean, I've known him for a long time. You know, we went to middle school together. We went to high school together. We were in college together. And uh, Jean and I were traveling through downtown Miami. And we go to this coffee shop in downtown Miami. And uh, as we're ordering this coffee, we see a big group of Asian Chinese students come to the coffee shop and they're trying to figure out what they're going to order. They can't, they can't make out the language. So my friend Gary, I've known him for six plus years. He's Haitian. He goes to this group of Chinese kids and he just get, starts engaging in a fluent conversation in Mandarin. Like a fluent conversation in Mandarin. Like, I am watching this, and I am amazed by the conversation that's happening. Have you ever been so amazed that you're just angry? Like, I was, I was upset because I was watching my friend Gary. Like, there are no clues that would have told me that Gary can speak Mandarin. It's not like he had an obsession with takeout food. It's not like he had an obsession with Chinese movies. Like, nothing. He just went, and he just started speaking in Chinese to these people. I'm, I'm looking at Gary, and I'm thinking to myself, like, 
how, like, how were you able to, how were you able to do this? Gary finishes the conversation. He comes to me. I'm like, Gary, how could you not tell me that you speak Mandarin? And then he just responds in a very annoying way. And he responds like this. He goes, well, simply because you never asked. You, you, you never asked. And I, I really think that this is important about God. And this is probably something that you need to know today. I believe that God is a lot like my friend Gary. That God can speak Chinese. But... But you'll never know unless you ask him to do it. You'll never know what God can do unless you ask him to do it. I don't know. I guess I just have a feeling that God might want to do something different in your life. Like, I just have a sense. You know what this tells me? This tells me that God actually might be open to your suggestions. And I think the reason that God is open to your suggestions is just to be able to see what are the crazy prayers that you just might be willing to say. Like, for example, like, who knew that God can make the sun stand still. Who knew? Nope, nobody knew. In fact, there was this guy named Joshua. Joshua was in the middle of a battle. He was getting ready to, to, to defeat this army, and Joshua starts getting worried because the sunlight starts going away. And out of frustration, because he needs more sunlight just to keep killing some bad guys, he literally just looks at the sun, and he tells the sun to stand still. I can almost imagine his troops looking at him like, this guy must be crazy. Like, what is up with this guy? But God's like, yeah, I I can do that. He he asked God to do something that nobody else thought that he can do. What about the sick? What about the sick being healed in Peter's shadow? That's insane. Like, that's crazy. Like, what's crazy about this story, like Peter, he was a disciple who followed Jesus closely. And because Jesus healed people, people thought that Peter can also heal. You know what's even crazy about the story? That this wasn't God's idea, nor was it Peter's idea. Sick people just thought, maybe if I just got in the shadow of Peter, that I will be, that I'll be healed. And God's like, yeah, I can, I can do that. What about this? This is crazy. What about the story of the sick people who asked Paul to heal him, to heal them by just holding on to his handkerchief? Because they couldn't access Paul. So they just told Paul, hey, if you just lay hands on your handkerchief and we touch your handkerchief, I believe that we can be. I mean, this is crazy. People are asking God to do stuff that he's never done before. And God's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, can, I can do that. Yeah. What about a fish ATM? <laughs> yeah, the disciples are talking to Jesus about money and paying taxes. And Jesus is like, yeah, just go to the sea, get a fish. There's going to be money in its mouth. Yeah. I mean, this is what Last story. What about Jesus walking on water? On. I mean, come on. How unnecessary was this miracle? Yeah. Like, nobody got saved, nobody got healed, nobody got delivered. I honestly think that this miracle was just Jesus showing off. Friend, I think the message that Jesus wants you to know today is this, is that there are great things that he wants to do in your life, but you'll never know unless you ask for it. Unless you ask for it. So I think it's time that today we start praying prayers that we've never thought that we should be able to pray. Can I tell you, God's not going to be intimidated by your prayer, friend. There's no prayer that's too big for God. So today I want to challenge you. Let's start asking God to do things that we thought that he could never do. Friend, I want to tell you today, I want to see heaven touch my life. I want to see heaven touch my home. I want to see heaven touch my wife. I want to see heaven touch my future kids. I want to see heaven touch my job. I want to see heaven invade the reality of my life. But the only way that that's going to happen is simply if we ask God to do things that he's never done before. Moral of this story, God speaks Mandarin. <laughs> but you'll never really know unless you ask God to do it. Yeah, very good. And uh, friends, we need a miracle, don't we? Because yeah. these times are terrible right now. Yeah. 
They're super bad. Not like the movie. They're just really bad times. <laughs> and um, sorry, my ADD got me there. But we're, we're, we're struggling right now as we're navigating through a pandemic. And it's unprecedented times. I've gotten tired of saying unprecedented so many times. There's crazy times. There's sickness. There's disease. There's racial tension. Politics are through the roof right now. And really, what we need from God is a miracle today. Yeah. Do you need a miracle? I, I, I believe this wholeheartedly. If you need a miracle, God has it prepared for you. You just have to have the audacity to pray for it. Come on, let's pray. I want to pray for you in this moment. So, Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing today. We thank you so much for this message. Father, we thank you for your word that it says that we can access your throne boldly and make requests. So, Father, I ask that you would move powerfully this week in the prayers of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to do one more prayer. Maybe you're here today. And maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. Frank, can I tell you that prayer is basically the basis of having a relationship with God? Prayer is just communication. Maybe you've never prayed before or haven't thought about the importance of prayer because you thought that prayer was intimidating, that it requires fancy language. It doesn't. Can I tell you what's the best prayer that you can do sometimes is God help. God, come into my life. God, I need you. Walk with me. And I want to tell you this, that God wants to have a relationship with you. So much so that he sent his only son to come to earth and die on the cross for your sin. Why did he need to die on the cross for your sin? Well, number one, because he loved you, but number two, because your sin, it, it separates you from God. So God had a great idea. He goes, hey, I'm going to send myself, I'm going to put on flesh and blood, and I'm going to come and I'm going to die on the cross for you and forgive you for your sin. Why? So that we can be in communion, so we can be in prayer, so we can have a relationship with one another. So today, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says that in order to step into a relationship with God, it's simple. It's really just confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is, is Lord. So if you're there right now in the privacy of your home, maybe you're thinking, Mike, that's me. I need to start a relationship with God. Friend, I want to tell you that a relationship with God, it'll give you the life that you've only dreamed of. You want to see breakthrough. You want to see miracles. You want to see God do something special in your life. It always starts with a relationship, in a relationship with God. So what I want to do is that I want to lead you in a repeat after me prayer. It's very simple. There's no special words attached to this prayer. It's just really God just saying, God, just come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. So wherever you're at in the privacy of your home, maybe you're with your family, you can hold their hands. Why don't we pray this together? Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Help me, Lord. I want to walk with you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Awesome. Well, hey, congratulations on making the best decision that you've ever made in your life. And that is to start a relationship with God. We want to welcome you to the family. Welcome to Calvary. Want to let you know that you are a part of the family here today. Hey, today, if you made a decision to step into a relationship with God, you can just text decided to the number on the screen and we'll get back to you and give you your next steps. But church, we love you. Let's remember, let's pray big prayers and believe that God is able to do exceedingly and immeasurably more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Well, hey, church, I love you. We'll see you next week. God bless. See you next week. God bless. See you next week. God bless.